Day 8 of Totus Tuus' Novena for the Church in Europe With quotes from Blessed John Paul II's Apostolic Exhortation Ecclesia in Europa The Gospel of Hope for a New Europe And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. The gospel of hope resounding throughout the book of Revelation opens our hearts to the contemplation of the newness brought about by God. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. God himself says as much in the words explaining the vision which has just taken place. Behold, I make all things new. The newness of God which can only be fully understood against the backdrop of the old things, made up of tears, mourning, lamentation, travail and death, consists in leaving behind the state of sin and its consequences in which humanity finds itself. It is the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, in contrast to the old heaven and earth, an obsolete order of things and an old Jerusalem, tormented by its rivalries. The image of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, is a direct reference to the mystery of the church and is not irrelevant for building the city of man. It is an image which speaks of an eschatological reality which transcends human possibilities and is a gift of God which will appear in the last days. Yet it is not a utopia. It is a reality already in our midst. This can be seen by the present tense of the verbs which God uses. Behold, I make all things new. And, as a further clarification, it is done. God is already at work renewing the world. The newness of God is already found in Jesus' Pasch. It is this which brings the church to birth, inspires her life, and renews and transforms her history. This newness begins to take shape first of all in the Christian community, which is even now the dwelling of God with men, in whose midst God is already at work, renewing the life of all who yield to the Spirit's breath. The Church is for the world a sign and instrument of the Kingdom which comes about first in human hearts. A reflection of this newness can also be seen in every form of human coexistence inspired by the Gospel. It is a newness that speaks to society at every moment of history and in every place on earth, and in particular to European society, which for so many centuries has heard the gospel of the kingdom inaugurated by Jesus. The history of the European continent has been distinctively marked by the life-giving influence of the gospel. If we turn our gaze to the past centuries, we can only give thanks to the Lord that on our continent 
Christianity has been a primary factor of unity among peoples and cultures and of the integral promotion of man and his rights. There can be no doubt that the Christian faith belongs in a radical and decisive way to the foundations of European culture. Christianity, in fact, has shaped Europe, impressing upon it certain basic values. Modern Europe itself, which has given the democratic ideal and human rights to the world, draws its values from its Christian heritage. More than a geographical area, Europe can be described as a primarily cultural and historical concept, which denotes a reality born as a continent thanks also to the unifying force of Christianity, which has been capable of integrating peoples and cultures among themselves, and which is intimately linked to the whole of European culture. Today's Europe, however, at the very moment it is in the process of strengthening and enlarging its economic and political union, seems to suffer from a profound crisis of values. While possessed of increased resources, it gives the impression of lacking the energy needed to sustain a common project and to give its citizens new reasons for hope. In the process of transformation which it is now undergoing, Europe is called above all to rediscover its true identity. Even though it has developed into a highly diversified reality, it needs to build a new model of unity and diversity as a community of reconciled nations open to the other continents and engaged in the present process of globalization. To give new impetus to its own history, Europe must recognize and reclaim with creative fidelity those fundamental values acquired through a decisive contribution of Christianity, which can be summarized in the affirmation of the transcendent dignity of the human person, the value of reason, freedom, democracy, the constitutional state, and the distinction between political life and religion. The European Union continues to expand. All peoples who share its same fundamental heritage have a vocation to take part in it on a short-term or a long-term basis. It is to be hoped that this expansion will come about in a way that respects all people, valuing their historical and cultural distinctions, their national identities and the great contributions which can come from new members. It should also take place in a way that puts into practice in an ever more fully developed manner the principles of subsidiarity and solidarity. In the process of the continent's integration, it is of capital importance to remember that the Union will lack substance if it is reduced to its merely geographic and economic dimensions. Rather, it must consist above all in an agreement about the values which must find expression in its law and in its life. Saying Europe must be equivalent to saying openness. Despite experiences and signs to the contrary, which it has not lacked, European history itself demands this. Europe is really not a closed or isolated territory. It has been built by expanding overseas and meeting other peoples, other cultures, other civilizations. Therefore, it needs to be an open and welcoming continent, 
continuing to develop in the current process of globalization forms of cooperation which are not merely economic but social and cultural as well. There is one need to which Europe must respond positively if it is to have a truly new face. Europe cannot close in on itself. It cannot and must not lose interest in the rest of the world. On the contrary, it must remain fully aware of the fact that other countries, other continents, await its bold initiatives in order to offer to poorer peoples the means for their growth and social organization and to build a more just and fraternal world. To carry out this mission adequately will demand rethinking international cooperation in terms of a new culture of solidarity. When seen as a sowing of peace, cooperation cannot be reduced to aid or assistance, especially if given with an eye to the benefits to be received in return for the resources made available. Rather, it must express a concrete and tangible commitment to solidarity, which makes the poor the agents of their own development and enables the greatest number of people in their specific economic and political circumstances to exercise the creativity which is characteristic of the human person and on which the wealth of nations too is dependent. Europe must, moreover, become an active partner in promoting and implementing a globalization in solidarity. This must be accompanied as a precondition by a kind of globalization of solidarity and of the related values of equity, justice and freedom, based on the firm conviction that the marketplace needs to be appropriately controlled by the forces of society and by the state, so as to guarantee that the basic needs of the whole of society are satisfied. The Europe handed down to us by history has witnessed the rise, especially in the last century, of totalitarian ideologies and extreme forms of nationalism, which darkened the hopes of individuals and the peoples on the continent, and sparked conflicts both within and between nations, leading up to the immense tragedy of the two world wars. More recent ethnic conflicts, which have again led to bloodshed on the continent of Europe, have once more demonstrated to everyone how fragile peace is, how it requires an active commitment on the part of all, and how it can be assured only by opening up new prospects of exchange, forgiveness and reconciliation between individuals, peoples and nations. In this state of affairs, Europe with all its inhabitants, needs to work tirelessly to build peace within its borders and throughout the world. In this regard, it must be recalled that, on the one hand, national differences ought to be maintained and encouraged as the foundation of European solidarity, while on the other, national identity itself can only be achieved in openness towards other peoples and through solidarity with them. In the work of creating a new face for the continent, the role of international institutions is in many ways decisive. Associated with and operating principally on European territory, they have left their mark on the course of historical events without being engaged in operations of a military character. In this regard, I wish to mention first of all the 
Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, which works to maintain peace and stability, also through the protection and promotion of human rights and fundamental freedoms, and through economic and environmental cooperation. There is also the Council of Europe, made up of those states which were signatories to the 1950 European Convention for the Safeguarding of Fundamental Human Rights and the 1961 Social Charter. Connected to them is the European Court of Human Rights. These two institutions seek, by means of political, social, juridic and cultural cooperation, as well as by the promotion of human rights and democracy, to build a Europe of freedom and solidarity. Finally, the European Union, with its Parliament, its Council of Ministers and its Commission, proposes a model of integration which is to be perfected by the eventual adoption of a common fundamental charter. This body has the aim of achieving greater political, economic and monetary unity between the member states, both present and future. In their diversity and on the basis of the specific identity of each, the European institutions promote the unity of the continent and, more profoundly, are at the service of mankind. Together with the Synod Fathers, I ask these same European institutions and the individual states of Europe to recognize that a proper ordering of society must be rooted in authentic ethical and civil values, shared as widely as possible by its citizens. At the same time, I would note that these values are the patrimony, in the first place, of the various social bodies. It is important that the institutions and the individual states recognize that these social bodies also include churches and ecclesial communities and other religious organizations. Even more so, in those cases where these already existed before the foundation of European nations, they cannot be reduced to merely private entities, but act with a specific institutional import, which merits being given serious consideration. In carrying out their functions, the various national and European institutions should act in the awareness that their juridical systems will be fully respectful of democracy if they provide for forms of healthy cooperation with churches and religious organizations. In the light of what I have just emphasized, I wish once more to appeal to those drawing up the future European Constitutional Treaty, so that it will include a reference to the religious and in particular the Christian heritage of Europe. While fully respecting the secular nature of the institutions, I consider it desirable especially that three complementary elements should be recognized. The right of churches and religious communities to organize themselves freely in conformity with their statutes and proper convictions. Respect for the specific identity of the different religious confessions and provision for a structured dialogue between the European Union and those confessions and respect for the juridical status already enjoyed by churches and religious institutions by virtue of the legislation of the member states of the Union. The European institutions have, as their declared purpose, the defense of the rights of the human person. In carrying out this task, they contribute to the building of the Europe of values and of law. The Synod Fathers called upon the leaders of Europe in the following words. Raise your voices in the face of the violation of human rights of individuals, minorities and peoples, beginning with the right to religious freedom, 
pay utmost attention to everything that concerns human life, from the moment of its conception to natural death, and to the family based on marriage. These are the foundations on which our common European home rests. Respond with justice and equity, and with a great sense of solidarity, to the growing phenomenon of migration, and see in it a new resource for the future of Europe. Make every effort to guarantee young people a truly humane future with work, culture and education in moral and spiritual values. Europe needs a religious dimension. If it is to be new, by analogy with what is said about the new city of the Book of Revelation, it must open itself to the workings of God. The hope of building a more just world a world more worthy of man, cannot prescind from a realisation that human effort will be of no avail unless it is accompanied by divine assistance. For unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. For Europe to be built on solid foundations, there is a need to call upon authentic values grounded in the universal moral law written on the heart of every man and woman. Not only can Christians join with all people of good will in working to build this great project, but they are also called to be in some way its heart, revealing the true meaning of the organisation of the earthly city. One and universal, yet present in the multiplicity of the particular churches, the Catholic Church can offer a unique contribution to the building up of a Europe open to the world. The Catholic Church, in fact, provides a model of essential unity in a diversity of cultural expressions, a consciousness of membership in a universal community which is rooted in but not confined to local communities, and a sense of what unites beyond all that divides. In her relations with public authorities, the Church is not calling for a return to the confessional state. She likewise deplores every type of ideological secularism or hostile separation between civil institutions and religious confessions. For her part, in keeping with a healthy cooperation between the ecclesial community and political society, the Catholic Church is convinced that she can make a unique contribution to the prospect of unification by offering the European institutions, in continuity with her tradition and in fidelity to the principles of her social teaching, the engagement of believing communities committed to bringing about the humanisation of society on the basis of the Gospel, lived under the sign of hope. From this standpoint, the presence of Christians, properly trained and competent, is needed in the various European agencies and institutions in order to contribute, with respect for the correct dynamics of democracy and through an exchange of proposals, to the shaping of a European social order which is increasingly respectful of every man and woman, and thus in accordance with the common good. The Europe which must be built up as a union also impels Christians towards unity, so that they can be true witnesses of hope. In this context, the exchange of gifts, which in this last decade has had significant expressions, 
should be continued and developed. When it takes place between communities with different histories and traditions, it leads to more durable bonds between the churches in different countries and their reciprocal enrichment through meetings, exchanges of ideas and mutual assistance. In particular, the contribution of the cultural and spiritual tradition offered by the Eastern Catholic Churches needs to be better appreciated. An important role in the growth of this unity can be played by continental organisations of ecclesial communion, which need to be further encouraged. Among these, a significant place must be given to the Council of European Episcopal Conferences, which is called on the continental level to provide for the promotion of an ever more intense communion among dioceses and the National Episcopal Conferences, for the growth in ecumenical cooperation among Christians and the overcoming of obstacles which threaten the future of peace and the progress of peoples, for the strengthening of effective and effective collegiality and of hierarchical communion. Together with the Council, acknowledgement must also be made of the service provided by the Commission of the Episcopates of the European Community, which, in following the process of consolidation and enlargement of the European Union, favours the sharing of information and coordinates the pastoral initiatives of the European Churches involved. The strengthening of union in Europe motivates Christians to cooperate in the process of integration and reconciliation, through a theological, spiritual, ethical and social dialogue. Indeed, in the Europe which is proceeding towards political unity, can we accept that the Church of Christ is herself a factor of division and of discord? Would this not be one of the greatest scandals of our time? Europe needs to make a qualitative leap in becoming conscious of its spiritual heritage. The impetus for this can only come from hearing anew the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the responsibility of all Christians to commit themselves to satisfying this hunger and thirst for life. Consequently, the Church feels it her duty to repeat vigorously the message of hope entrusted to her by God and says again to Europe, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Saviour, her invitation to hope is not based on a utopian ideology. On the contrary, it is the timeless message of salvation proclaimed by Christ. With the authority which she has received from the Lord, the Church repeats to today's Europe, Europe of the third millennium, let not your hands grow weak. Do not give in to discouragement. Do not resign yourself to ways of thinking and living that have no future, because they are not based on the solid certainty of God's word. Taking up anew this invitation to hope, I repeat to you again today, Europe, as you stand at the beginning of the third millennium, open the doors to Christ. Be yourself, rediscover your origins, relive your roots. Down the centuries, you have received the treasure of Christian faith. It has grounded your life as a society on principles drawn from the Gospel, and traces of this are evident in the art, literature, thought and culture of your nations. 
but this heritage does not belong just to the past. It is a project in the making to be passed on to future generations, for it has indelibly marked the life of the individuals and peoples who together have forged the continent of Europe. Do not be afraid. The gospel is not against you, but for you. This is confirmed by the fact that Christian inspiration is capable of transforming political, cultural and economic groupings into a form of coexistence in which all Europeans will feel at home and will form a family of nations from which other areas of the world can draw fruitful inspiration. Be confident in the gospel, which is Jesus. You will find the sure and lasting hope to which you aspire. This hope is grounded in the victory of Christ over sin and death. He wishes this victory to be your own, for your salvation and your joy. Be certain, the gospel of hope does not disappoint. Throughout the vicissitudes of your history, yesterday and today, it is the light which illumines and directs your way. It is the strength which sustains you in trials. It is the prophecy of a new world. It is the sign of a new beginning. It is the invitation to everyone, believers and non-believers alike, to blaze new trails leading to a Europe of the Spirit, in order to make the continent a true, common home, filled with the joy of life. Let us pray. Mary, Mother of Hope, walk with us. Teach us to proclaim the living God. Help us to witness to Jesus the only Saviour. Make us helpful towards our neighbours, welcoming to the needy, workers for justice, impassioned builders of a more just world. Intercede for us as we carry out our work in history, certain that the Father's plan will be accomplished. Dawn of a new world, show yourself mother of hope and watch over us watch over the church in Europe that she may be transparent to the gospel that she may be an authentic place of communion living out her mission of announcing celebrating and serving the gospel of hope for the peace and joy of everyone Queen of Peace Protect humanity in the third millennium. Watch over all Christians. May they advance confidently on the path of unity as a leaven for the harmony of the continent. Watch over young people, the hope of the future. May they respond generously to the call of Jesus. Watch over the leaders of nations. May they be committed to building a common home in which the dignity and rights of every person are respected. Mary, give us Jesus. 
help us to follow him and love him. He is the hope of the Church, of Europe, and of all humanity. He lives with us in our midst in his Church. With you we say, Come, Lord Jesus. May the hope of glory which he has poured into our hearts bear fruits of justice and peace. Amen. St. Benedict, pray for us. St. Bridget of Sweden, pray for us. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. St. Cyril and Methodius, pray for us. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.